Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is sponsored by the Integrity Income Fund, which is managed by yours truly and my team at Labrador Lending. The Integrity Income Fund is for accredited investors. It aims to pay an 8% preferred return and an 8.5% preferred return for early investors. It aims to pay out monthly distributions. There's a $25,000 minimum and only a one-year lockup. If you are an accredited investor and you're looking to get away from Wall Street, looking to beat inflation, and looking for an asset class that is backed by hard physical real estate, then look no further than the Integrity Income Fund. Check it out at labradorlending.com. On this episode, I got a chance to chat with Kevin Dahlstrom of Swell. Kevin is just a wealth of knowledge and is super successful. He left a, I think, multi-million dollar per year job. I'm not sure exactly, but I know he was making really good money uh, and uh, did a reset and now started a company called Swell, which I think is going to be a huge success. Kevin is one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Uh, he his, It just seems like he's growing and growing every day as far as his following. Um, we go through several different types of adversity that he's faced. Uh, one, which was growing up a major, majorly dysfunctional family. And then he also spent a decade plus uh, battling some serious health challenges um, that were, it sounds like, pretty disabling. And then... And then he went through what many would consider to be a midlife crisis where he he made it. Um, he'd arrived, I mean, had all kinds of material success and uh, found that he wasn't satisfied. And we, we talked through that and talked through his move from Texas to Boulder, Colorado, where he now is able to be much closer to the rocks that he loved to, loves to climb. He's in phenomenal shape. He's in his early 50s and just like uh, clearly a go-getter. Uh, he's just someone you want to listen to. Definitely he drops a ton of knowledge in this episode. And then we get into his company, Swell, which is geared towards non-accredited investors and opening up you know, uh, opportunities and reducing debt for the non-wealthy, um, which I think is phenomenal. So yeah, ton of information in this one. A lot of inspiring topics that we cover. I know you're going to love it. 
Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable and former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman. I'm very excited today. We have a special guest on Kevin Dahlstrom of Swell. He's the founder of Swell. Kevin, how are you doing today? Hey, Jamie, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Excited to chat. Nice. Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, it's a little rainy here in Maryland. I don't know. Where, I think you're in Colorado, right? That's right. Uh, okay. Or as I like to refer to it, the best city on earth, Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. At least if you're a um, rock climber. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure we'll get into. I've seen some crazy pictures of yours on online, which actually uh, I will say I uh, sent your Twitter link, your Twitter feed yesterday to somebody I work with. And he's like, I got to go. I got to get outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy makes me want to get outside. So. Well, that's good. That's the message I'm trying to convey. So <laughs> Nice. So yeah, for our audience um, who are not familiar with you, would you mind giving a, a kind of a snapshot of who you are today? Um, you know, what, what's, what's the context? Who, what are you into these days? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess since we, we already talked about where I live, I'll start there because that's actually sure. a big part of my story. So um, I grew up in Texas, had most of my career in Texas. Four years ago, uh, I did a pretty big reboot of my life and moved my family to Boulder, Colorado, which is where I live now. Um, big driver for that was I've been a rock climber most of my life, and but never had the opportunity to live near the rocks for, for a variety of reasons. And so that was kind of the driver. And, and also, um, I, was, I was kind of pivoting my career. I had a successful career, you know, um, had done a bunch of startups, uh, had one that went public, had been a CMO at three public companies. Um, and so I had done a lot. And I was looking mm -hmm. to slow down. I, I had this misguided idea that I wanted to retire and become a full-time real estate and angel investor. And the truth is that lasted about three weeks. Um, and, and so, to, you know, I ended up, uh, long story short, I, I ended yep. up founding an, another company. It's called Swell. Mm -hmm. Swell is a, think of it as just a banking app. So it replaces your current um checking account, some of your credit products and a few other things. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, we're what's called a fintech company. So we're, we're a startup, mm -hmm. we're venture backed. Uh, we yep. officially created the company January 1st. So we're still very early stage. Our app launches uh, late this summer. We'll be rolling it out slowly. But Swell for me really is the culmination of you know an entire career spent in financial services and, and all the things that I observed over time that were horribly broken. And it's my my sort of chance to fix it. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So now uh, you know today uh, I've, I've you know got a wife, two teenage girls. I do a lot of rock climbing. Um, I run swell, and as I said, I'm all, I'm still a very active real estate and angel investor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think this is one of those uh, episodes where it's you know there's you have so much experience. It, it's just we're we're only going to scratch the surface. 
um, which I think is why you've been back on Chris Powers podcast three times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I'm 51 years old, so that's part of it. I've also, you know, run hard my whole life, sometimes too hard. So I do feel like I've done a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've seen a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, happy to go wherever you want. Absolutely. No, that's great. Um, yeah. So obviously from adversity to abundance, and we, we talked a little bit before we hit record on the couple of topics we may dive into here. So um, you mentioned uh, some family history challenges. Um, and again, not going to get into all the weeds and, and everything that may have happened in your, in your life, but I'm sure a lot of people come from challenging family situations, uh, people who are listening today. Yeah. If you would, um, could you talk about kind of what that was like growing up for you? Yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned before we, we started recording, uh, I've actually had, now that I think about it, three sort of major adversities in my life and they came widely spaced. So the first one, which I'll talk about first, as you asked is, is, you know, kind of my family upbringing. Uh, and then the, the second one was some health challenges I had in my pretty severe health challenges, actually in my early twenties. And then in my mid forties, I had, I guess what you would call a midlife crisis, which is when I did the big reboot, I kind of realized I was headed down the wrong path career wise. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, starting with the, the family situation, I mean, look, look, not, not, not totally different from probably a lot of your listeners. Uh, I had a bit of a dysfunctional childhood, grew up in a small town in, in Texas. Let's just say there was, you know, there was prison, there was addiction, there was mental illness. And so, um, you know, my escape basically was I, I, I had, I made good grades. I was a pretty smart kid. And mm -hmm. so my escape was to get a scholarship to go to college, you know, as far away as I could think, which was, you know, a hundred miles to Austin, Texas, where, where I went to school. Um, right. And, you know, I, I often, you know, uh, there's a quote I heard one time from, uh, from Oprah Winfrey. She said, turn your wounds into weapons. And I feel like that's kind of the story of my life is, hmm. you know, you take these wounds and I certainly wouldn't change anything at this point because I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, but it sort of made me who I am. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was kind of how it all started is, is, okay. Uh, a little bit of a rough, rough upbringing. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, we, and, you know, we've had a bunch of guests on who have, uh, you know, looked at their, I've never heard it framed that way on the show yet, but that's really good. But, it, but taken their adversity and looked at it as a, you know, as a positive or a strength, you know, force that they can use. I'm curious with the family situation, how long, you know, obviously you're not celebrating that at the time, especially I'm you know, if you're younger and you're less mature as far as, you know, mental maturity, right? How, what was that process like from a mental standpoint, um, you know, as far as interpreting the rough conditions to be used for your advantage? How, how did that process work mentally? Yeah, well, I, I, and, and by the way, I'm not going to represent at all that this is the right way to deal with issues like this. I probably could have used some help and some wisdom but the way I, I dealt with it was to compartmentalize, you know, I sort of, you know, frankly crammed all that stuff deep down inside for, mm -hmm. you know, the next 20 years, put my head mm -hmm. down and just was determined that that wasn't the path that I was going to take. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it was right. for me, you know, that, that phase of my life was if any, probably more than anything was just motivation to, mm -hmm. you know, do really well in school, get a good job. And, mm -hmm. um, frankly, to the extreme, you know, probably, um, you know, one of the challenges I've had all of my life and I'm getting better at it is, mm -hmm. you know, stopping and smelling the roses. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds hard to believe, but, you know, I'm, I mentioned that I'm 51 years old right. only recently, like, I mean, in the, like the past year, 
have I been able to kind of look around and go, wow, like, look at all this cool stuff I've built. Like, honestly, it sounds crazy, <laughs> yeah, but right. I've never been one to like to, to kind of stop mm-hmm. and smell the roses or even pay attention to the progress. It was always like, right. what's, the next, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I mean, personally, I just don't really believe in retirement in the traditional sense. I mean, um, you know, everyone's situation is different. So I'm not judging anyone who's retired. That's not the point, but yeah. I'm like you, I'm, I'm not that as much of a hard charger probably, but um, I don't anticipate actually retiring because I just think you need something. Everyone needs a purpose or something to move toward, you know, and, right. and be something. I uh, completely agree. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I always use the analogy of sharks. If we stop swimming, we suffocate. Uh, and, right. and, you know, uh, I've written a lot about this is like, that's the kind of trap that people fall into is this idea that, you know, if I can just get to the finish line, I'll be happy. And there is no finish line. The only thing that makes you happy is the challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's really success to me looks like being able to control the challenges you undertake. So like, mm-hmm. you know, um, controlling your time, controlling the challenges you undertake. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's that, you know, I mentioned this kind of reboot that I did and yeah. that was really the impetus for it. And and now if you look at my life today, I think uh, I've got, a, I'm, I feel I've got a great balance. I mean, the, I, I often joke that if you ask my friends, they think I never work. If you ask my family, they think I always work. And so there's probably the truth is somewhere in between and, and both sure. are true, but right. I try to just blend everything together and, and I don't plan on changing anything for the rest of mm-hmm. my life. Nice. Yeah. That sounds great. That's a good, good way to live. Um, so do you still have, uh, just to wrap up the family situation, do you still have ties with your family or, or have you completely moved on or what does that look like from a personal um, standpoint? More the latter. Uh, I have very minimal ties at this point, but uh, you know, it's something I really want to want to repair. As a matter of fact, um, I recorded, I I have a new podcast myself and I recorded Mm -hmm. one yesterday with someone who had come through a similar situation. And we we talked for probably 30 minutes about Mm -hmm. forgiveness and how it's kind of fundamental fundamental to the human experience. And so, yeah, that's something I need to get better at and, and heal. But frankly, I mean, uh, you know, I really wasn't even able to talk about this stuff until a few years ago. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's um, so what's the name of your podcast? It's called compounding compounding. Yeah. Okay. Ju- uh, actually the first episode just dropped today. So I did, uh, I signed up and I got your, your email about the first episode. So okay, I'm cool. excited to yeah. listen to that. So um, I know you have some uh, awesome, uh, you know, an expansive and powerful network, uh, <laughs> successful network. So I, I think I uh, definitely want to check that out myself. Um, moving to the second, second challenge, major challenge. Uh, I know we, there's been hundreds of challenges you face, but the second kind of bucket we talked about the medical challenge. Yeah. And I think that's the one that kind of caused me to, to reach out to you. Um, uh, cause you'd posted or right. tweeted a little bit about this, a thread on Twitter about this, would, would you speak to the, the medical challenges that you faced? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's still super vivid in my mind because it was a long, long journey. Um, you know, I was always a very athletic, vibrant, healthy kid and, you know, was in college. I think I was 20 years old. And I remember distinctly one day I got up, I was studying at the library and got up and just felt super dizzy and nauseous. And, uh, you know, Mm. you don't think anything of that. You go home, you rest up. But that began sort of a nightmare of progress. My health rapidly declined. And, you know, what's interesting is, Jamie, 
uh, what I ended up dealing with is very similar to what people describe today as long COVID. So Mm -hmm. it was things like I was short of breath, crushing fatigue. And it it actually did, the diagnosis did end up being that I'd had a pretty severe viral infection, but Mm -hmm. it just, it wrecked my body, wrecked my hormonal system. It, you know, it, um, I was having, you know, anxiety and panic attack. It was bad. Mm -hmm. Like I was essentially bedridden for a good period of time, Mm -hmm. had to drop out of school for a while. Um, So it was rough. And and the truth is, um, you know, I was getting no answers from medicine. And so I kind of took matters into my own hands and over time, you know, the, again, back to this idea of turning your wounds into weapons or finding Mm -hmm. silver linings, um, the tweet that you're referring to the thread that you're referring to was Mm -hmm. sort of my journey. And what I learned along the way was, oh, I was doing it all wrong anyway. Um, and I actually had the opportunity not only to recover my health, but to become even healthier than I would have been otherwise. Hmm. So I, that was a huge opportunity, huge breakthrough for me. And I was able to do it. I mean, yeah. Um, so I, I consider myself today to be, you know, I, I, I got completely cured and I consider myself nice. to be, ex, you know, exceptionally healthy. Yeah. Um, I've seen some yeah crazy pictures of you rock climbing. Definitely look, <laughs> look healthy from the outside. <laughs> um, you know, that's my formal doctor opinion from across yeah, yeah. the, uh, over the, well, internet, I always but- figure like if you, you know, rock climbing has grades, so you know how difficult you're climbing. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a certain grade, like around 513, where it starts to become like an elite level of climbing. And I, I literally have always thought to myself, like, as long as I can climb 513, there's probably nothing majorly wrong with me. Like, you know, <laughs> right. some, things have to be working right to be able to climb sure. at a certain level. And so Absolutely. there is there is something to that. So when you, so, and you had to drop out of school for how, for a short period or how long? Well, I dropped out for a semester, but sort of, sort of limped across the finish line in a very, you know, um, ill state. Um, And even in early in in my early career, but, you know, it took about 10 years, but slowly I I regained my health bit Mm -hmm. by bit. Um, And, but it. it was, it was rough for a while. So, I mean, and I'm just, I was, the reason I brought the school up again is because you said school was kind of your, your ticket out. Um, from, so it's almost two problems in one. If, you know, if you don't get that degree, you know, then what, but, um, so over 10 years and just, just curious, like, what did you determine? You took matters into your own hands or you kind of, well, what did you learn from a medical standpoint uh, about your condition? Again, it's, it's very similar to what, so what's happening with long COVID, if you've heard of that is Mm -hmm. people are getting COVID. Then they have these these um, symptoms that remain for months, years. We don't even know, mm-hmm. and the medical community is at a complete loss for what mm-hmm. to do about. It. They they really don't have an answer. Um, yeah. There's people who don't even believe it's real. They they think it's all in people's heads. And I heard some mm-hmm. of that in mine. In my case, I had um, a, um, a really tough bout with Epstein Barr virus, which is the virus behind mono. You okay. know, if you've heard of that, yeah. yeah. But but it, it can become chronic, and in my case, it became chronic, and it created. These viral infections that become chronic, they create a host of really nasty problems. Hmm. And the problem that, again, mainstream medicine has almost no answers for these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll actually, the answers that mainstream medicine has make you worse. They might make you feel better for a little bit, mm-hmm. but over the long term, they make you worse. And so I dodged a lot of bullets through that process. And mm-hmm. um, took, as I said, took matters in my own hands, educated myself, and did, mm-hmm. you know, did it the hard way, the long, hard way, but it was the better way over time. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And you think now because of that, you're actually healthier than you would have been, you're saying? 
because yeah, of the I mean, way you, I mean, you approached um, it. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag, but I've, I don't, yeah. I've never met someone my age who, who I thought was more fit or healthy. So. <laughs> right. Uh, so. no. Yeah. Got it. Uh, but, but you think you wouldn't have been at this level because of zero you know, chance, zero yeah, chance. Yeah. I mean, I was on the standard path, like not sure. eating well, not exercising properly or regularly. Sure. You know, it was this, you know, the same path as a lot of my friends were on. Got it. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into the third one, the, uh, midlife crisis. So I'm, I'm 46. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me what I'm about to go through. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit different for everybody. And sure. you know, my favorite thing to say about the midlife crisis is people think of a midlife crisis as, Oh, Jamie changed. He became something mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And what the research says and, and what philosophers like uh, Carl Jung say mm-hmm. is that it's actually the exact opposite. What happens in midlife is we shed these masks that we wear. So we, hmm. through our life, we accumulate these masks that help mm-hmm. us survive in society. And they're not bad things. You have mm-hmm. to have these masks to, to thrive, right. but eventually those masks do come off. And um, so, so you have to be mindful of that. And hmm. in my case, I mentioned that I had sort of, because of my childhood, I'd put my head down and was just executing. Like someone yeah. told me like, take that mountain. And I would take that mountain and I was pursuing what society told me success was. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I made it up the corporate ladder. Was it, you know, in the, in the C-suite for a long time with some very big, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, founded mm-hmm. companies, had them go public, all the things, all the like things you like the bucket list items that people talk about. Right. Um, but I found that like, that was not, that, that was not fulfilling. Hmm. Uh, yeah. and, and what I realized over time was, I think most people go on this journey is, you know, at the end of the day, what, 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 what do you treasure? Sure. It's relationships and experiences. Yeah. And, right. And I, I wasn't yeah. investing in, in those. And so, um, I was, I was around my mid forties, probably around the age you are now. Mm-hmm. And I just be, basically hit the reboot button. You know, part, yeah. a big part of it was moving to a place that was more inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. I have a whole set of beliefs around like where you choose to live is as important as your cho- choice of life partner. Um, but, but people put very little thought into it. They sort of just stay wherever they happen to be, but sure. you're literally immersed in the place you live 24 seven and it, it in, impacts everything you do. So right. being in a place that's inspiring and for me closer to the rocks was a huge part of that. And then just cleaning up some things in my personal life. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I quit, you know, my, my friends thought I was crazy, but I, I quit a, you know, I was a made man at a big public company and I quit a job with, um, you know, compensation well into the seven figures every year, <laughs> like made a bunch of cra- crazy changes, uh, at mm-hmm. least from the outside perspective, mm-hmm. um, but put me in a way better place. So, so you know, basis. fast forward to today, yep. you know, I'm, I've got a startup that I'm, I'm really passionate about. I've got yep. a pretty balanced life. You know, my kids are thriving. So I'm, I'm much happier, yeah. much better place. So you're, what I'm hearing is you, you took off the masks and this is the real you. I mean, yeah. not, is that essentially what you're what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I took, when the mask started coming off, I was looking at my life going, whose life is this? Like, who is this guy, <laughs> Kevin? I don't yeah. even recognize this guy. Like I literally had my, my worst nightmare, which was we had this big McMansion in a suburb of Dallas, a concrete jungle, um, you know, terrible weather, far from all the things I'm passionate about. Didn't, I wasn't near any close friends, didn't have great relationships. And I was yeah. like, what have I done? And right. but although from the outside, it looked like winning, it looked like yeah, the dream you had for a made. lot of people. Right. For me, it was a nightmare. And, hmm. and so that's, that's, that's what we blew up. Got it. And your, how did your, your wife and your, your family react to the, the change? 
it ain't easy. I mean, from their perspective, you are changing. And yeah. uh, so, and, and I'll be honest, you know, that the, a lot of the change I had to force upon my family, they weren't asking for it. They weren't even necessarily on board with it. Um, but, you know, th- thank goodness I have a really supportive, you know, wife who I just celebrated, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary two weeks ago. Nice. Congrats. Um, and my kids were great. And I think now, you know, fast forward four years down the road, and I think everyone in my family would say that this reset was the right thing for was all the right of us. move. Gotcha. Awesome. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so, um, before we get into, to swell, cause I definitely want to talk about swell. Um, it, let's, let's, I'm going to fire off a few kind of more rapid fire questions for you. Sure. Um, what's one thing that people misunderstand about you? Wow. These are, these are, I can tell these are going to be hard questions to just answer. So, so this one, I will say yesterday I did a, a recording and we had to move on. He couldn't, <laughs> he said, oh, I'm going to answer it. But I, I, the problem with me is Jamie, I like to give a really thoughtful, good answer. So sure. uh, what, what's one thing that people misunderstand about me? Mm-hmm. Maybe if people look at you from the outside, I mean, obviously we, we are, you uh, already said it looked well, like you had success and you weren't right. happy, but that could be one, but well, here, um, here's one that I think applies to not only me, but a lot of people, you know, I am, uh, I'm a high energy guy. I, mm-hmm. I have very strong views about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and people sort of often like associate that with like confidence or even arrogance or certainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's usually the opposite is actually true. So, so when you meet someone who has that style, it's yeah. often that they're um, like the way I like to, to test my thinking is yeah. by positing something and then sure. having people push back on it. And often, right. especially when you're the CEO, you say something and people just take it as the gospel because right, I sound right. so confident. So that's the, yeah. the one thing people misunderstand about me is that <laughs> you know, often when I say things, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for feedback. I'm looking for pushback. I really value pushback. Yeah. Yeah. That used to, I was in the military and, and that, that used to be a thing where it's like the, you know, somebody, a high ranking officer would say something off the cuff and just looking for a discussion and, and the whole organization runs with it as a, as a command. Right. It's like, no, he, he or she didn't even mean that as an order. Just, it's just a discussion yeah. point. It sounds like you're, you're passionate. It's passion and, and you're open to dis, you know debate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, versus, my, my style is, you know, strong opinions loosely held is, uh, and and not everyone knows how to work with people who who operate mm-hmm. that way. Sure. What would you say is one of your biggest failures, and what would you what have you learned from that experience? <laughs> I've been asked this question. A lot, a lot of people ask this question, and yeah, the, the truth is, it's very hard for me to answer that one because I am such an optimist. I am I'm I am a like DNA is wired to be an optimist. So mm-hmm. I've got plenty of failures in my life objectively. But yeah. I just never have chosen to look at it that way, mm-hmm. you know, but, but I, you know, in the spirit of giving an answer, right. I would say, you know, um, one failure has definitely been like not repairing some of my relationships with my, my family from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, I, to this day, still compartmentalize some of that mm-hmm. and sort of segment my life um, uh, accordingly. And then of course, like, like, like anybody who's had a lot of at bats in business, um, you know, I've been involved in starting at least half a dozen companies and no one bats a thousand. So I've had some spectacular failures, but again, at the time it felt pretty, pretty miserable, mm-hmm. but in retrospect, that's where all the learning happens. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, everybody's got failures, but I think there right. is something to this idea of like, if you're going to play the long game, 
Yeah. You, you choose to view those as, you know, speed bumps. Now, clearly, if you have repeated failures, you got to sort of reevaluate. Yeah, there's a, if there's a pattern there, you might want to yeah. do some analysis and That's adjust right. your your yeah. you know what you're doing. And I guess I right. was lucky that I, I was pretty good at making course corrections. When I got my you know when I got my teeth kicked in, I learned to like move my head a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right. That makes sense. Um, I think that's one of the key, that's one of the hard things to hardest things to figure out in business and in life is when it when am I quitting? Is when is this viewed as quitting versus just changing course or taking feedback and you know right. still moving forward, but maybe in a slightly different way or you know, different path? Um, if you could go back and give your eighteen year old self some advice, what would it be? One hundred percent. This is an easy one. Okay. Real estate, two words. <laughs> oh my nice. gosh. I didn't understand the whole real estate world until I was in my, I guess, early 40s. Uh, no, maybe a little late 30s, early 40s, like 10, 10 or so years ago. And the good news is that was incredible timing to start investing in yeah, multifamily and some of the categories I invested in or some of the asset classes. Yep. But gosh, uh, honestly, if I had known how the whole real estate world works yep. and with my mind for finance, um, I might've gone down that path and made that a career. Got it. Yeah. That's, you mentioned that before we hit record, as far as the the investment, some of the investments you're, you're in, you said you're, you've been an LP in numerous deals. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah. So I've been doing, um, real estate, de- uh, investing as an LP exclusively. I've considered be- doing my own deals for a while and, and uh, it never made sense to me. Just I've done so well as an LP, Sure. but, um, yeah, I do. Um, I'd say I've done probably 30 real estate investments as an LP, probably 80% of that is multifamily. I'm Mm -hmm. still huge on that asset class. Sure. I've done some industrial uh, and dabbled in like a few other tiny amounts in other um, asset classes. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. It's done. You know, those investments have crushed it. uh, Yeah, absolutely. uh, Like everybody else over the past 10 years. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how, uh, like for the, for the listeners out there who either are on either side of that, that fence, meaning they're GPs or LPs, they're, they're either the operator or they're going out and finding passive investors. Yeah. Um, how do you, how did you connect with those operators or the general partners? Yeah. Is it just through your network? Yeah. You know, that's the, so, you know, this will be a good segue into swell because that's one yeah. of the problems we're trying to solve. So there's, there's some big problems with, um, all private equity investment and real estate is, is one type of private equity in investing. Mm-hmm. You know, one is just, it's a incredibly fragmented, opaque market. And yeah. so it's all based on relationships. And so sure. most people don't have the connections that I was fortunate to have. The second thing is you have to be an accredited investor to invest right. in, in these deals. Right. Um, and, and, and the third thing is, even if you are accredited, a lot of the top guys have hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand dollar minimums. I had I invested in one deal that had a five hundred thousand dollar minimum. Even if you're accredited, most people don't have that kind of money sitting around to invest sure. in in one deal. Yeah, and so there's a lot of problems with it. And so my philosophy has always been, um, if you get the right GP, if you if you invest with the top, the best of the best GPs, the rest takes care of itself. I mean, that said, yeah, I have a strong preference for certain asset classes. I have a strong preference for certain geographies. I absolutely mm-hmm. look at the deal structures. Uh, right. I do some due diligence. So, you know, at this point, yeah. I'm a pretty sophisticated, like I'm probably, you know, nearly on par with the GPs I'm investing with in terms right. of my knowledge and and, yeah. and expertise. Understood. Uh, but 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 here's the thing: 99% of people, if not more, don't have any of that. 
Right. And so one of the things we're trying to do at Swell, which is my banking startup, is is um, enable access to that type of private equity deal hmm. to everyone. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's yeah, kind of one I'll of our just... core products. I uh, just chime in a little bit here because I I run a couple of smaller mortgage note funds. They're both five hundred six Cs, and uh, you know I'm familiar with what you're talking about in general. It, it's it's unfortunate because I have I have a bunch of people I work with uh, who are not accredited, and I would love to take them on as investors. And you know there are ways to do it, but frankly, the way it's set up, the way the code is is set up, it's just not worth it in my situation. It's not it's worth good. it to you know to try to put together a Reg A fund or even a 506B where you can take on non-accredited investors, it still makes more sense for me to go with a 506C. So it's all accredited. And that's, right. um, <laughs> you and know, that's like, the decision uh, everybody makes. It's not worth, yeah. it's never worth it. So we are it's a business going down decision. that path. We're, yeah. you know, that is going to be a core part of our business. We're, we're, you know, we're about $100,000 into um, setting up a Reg A fund. That's how okay. we're going to do yeah. it. Gotcha. We're also looking at interval funds, which I think are actually a better huh. solution. An interval fund, though, you're looking at, um, yeah, just Google interval fund. It's a new, relatively new structure uh-huh. that um, allows you both accredited and unaccredited investors to invest. It has less restrictions than a reg A. The only gotcha is that you have to allow a certain percentage of people to cash out on a, on a regular basis. That's why it's called uh-huh. an interval fund. Okay. But it, it's a great vehicle. The problem with an interval fund is you're talking half a million dollars in a year plus to get that set up. Um, so wow. most people don't want to go down that path, but sure. a lot of the big money managers are actually s- setting up interval funds. Mm, interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That's, uh, just as a quick anecdote. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying about just most people. It, you know, look, life's never going to be hundred percent fair. Right. So, but at the same time, it's just, it's just not fair that these, these opportunities are not presented to the average person person my my yeah. brother for example is a he works at a credit union he's very he's been a mortgage broker for many years you know he's very familiar with real estate and finance and um i'll just throw him throw him under the bus here he's not accredited right but yeah. he's frustrated because it's like he knows more than more than like you oh. he probably knows more than a lot of the operators do um yeah. you know as far you know as what the it is? deals it's, it's economic paternalism so in many areas of finance you have politicians who actually don't know anything about finance <laughs> who are saying right. we know better what's good for you than you do and the, right. the biggest the, the biggest joke is that your brother is it your brother yeah. or brother yeah my brother your brother yep. your brother can't invest in a rock solid real estate deal but he right. can go buy as much crypto as he wants <laughs> yes you know it, yes. It, it's insane it, it's yeah. it's the, the the accreditation laws need to be yeah. you know removed uh and so people can make their own decisions yes there's always fraud but there's also right. ways to deal with that that are more effective than simply blocking every non-credit yeah. investor. Because the reality is that, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen the same thing. I mean, if I look at my portfolio, yeah, I've performed at well over 2x what the S&P has returned over the past 10 years. Right. And yes. that's life-changing. Sure. Absolutely. No, and it's just like if, if you inherit a couple million dollars, that doesn't make you somehow... Right, a knowledgeable investor, but yeah. um, anyway, what's a speaking of your business? What's a challenge that you're facing right now in your business? One of the main challenges. <laughs> well, I mean, look, we 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 started swell January first of this year, so yeah, you know, the list of challenges is long. Like we're, <laughs> right. I mean, almost definitionally, everything's a challenge because we're trying to disrupt 
you know, a trillion dollar industry with lots of entrenched competitors. So literally by definition, our business plan is a challenge. Uh, (laughs) So what are you, what are you going to do after this podcast? What challenge are you going to tackle immediately after this? this I'm actually right after this, I'm going to, uh, on a recruiting meeting, uh, a meeting with a software engineer at a coffee shop here. Okay. Um, so yeah, and my every day looks different for me. That's actually what I love about this stage. Like this early stage Mm -hmm. is literally every day is completely different. So just to give you a sense, um, tomorrow I'm going to be working in the morning and I'm going rock climbing in the afternoon. Sunday, I fly to LA. I'm recording a podcast with a big, uh, a big real estate Jeep, Keith Wasserman, if you follow him on. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so yeah. I'm recording a podcast with Keith Wasserman on, nice. um, on, on Monday. Then I fly back. I'm start, I'm going to start prepping for a board meeting. I mean, it's just, it's just a never ending stream, but it's, right. it's one thing after the other. Sure. So um, now just so, just so that you've already spoken to this a good bit, but what is what does swell look like for the average person? Um, yeah. Not not right now, but the end the end goal. Yeah. So so why does it matter? So yeah. you know, look, um, there's three components to swell. Uh, there's swell cash, which is the checking account. Swell credit, which is a line of credit that works similarly to credit cards, mm-hmm. and then there's swell compound. Um, I I talked a little bit about compound. Compound is our investment mm-hmm. vehicle that basically allows an investor to invest as little as $1,000 and eventually even less, but still get into these exclusive private market real estate deals. We actually already mm-hmm. did our first deal and it was a, we, we did, we got a $2 million allocation in a, just an incredible industrial real estate deal in Texas and Swell members aggregated dollars and made that investment. Nice. Um, but it all happens with one click in the Swell app. So it's super simple. You don't have to, you can understand as much or as little as you want to. Hmm. The second piece, uh, you know, I'll talk about is Swell Cash. It's our checking account. It's got mm-hmm. a lot of great features, but frankly, it's it's similar to your your Bank of America checking account. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no fees and no no evil stuff that that the, the mm-hmm. big banks throw at you. Um, right. But but that's kind of like the, the checking account mainly exists just so you have a transactional vehicle, so you have a place for money to sit in sure. an FDIC insured account. Swell got credit it. is intended to replace your credit card. So the um, our our mantra for Swell credit as we build it out is half off your credit cards. So we're building the way we're approaching and designing the product. Most of my background is in consumer credit. Mm-hmm. And we have a team of about 15 people who have a, an unbelievable amount of experience in consumer credit. Mm-hmm. And the way we're building Swell is that we will operate on very thin margins. And we're very good at the data science required to underwrite customers. And so we'll be able to take a customer who is like, a, most people don't know this, but a typical American might have eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars in credit card debt at an eighteen percent or higher rate. We'll take a customer like that and we'll knock that down to ten or twelve percent. Mm-hmm. We make we make good money, our bank partners happy, and the consumer wins in a huge way. Hmm. And so the two hooks when we go out to market swell, the two hooks mm-hmm. that people will be interested in, they'll either come into swell because they really want to um, get their debt under control and pay right. pay less interest. Or they'll come in because they're interested in, in doing some of this in real estate investing they've heard about. Nice. And so we think those are both powerful, disruptive models that have never really been done in banking. And yep. so it's, it's, a, it's a huge opportunity. That's awesome. So in, you launched June fir- January 1st, excuse me, uh, you started it, but when will it be actually ready for the, the, the larger? App, uh, yep. Basically, you know, I get asked that a lot because when people hear about it, you know, we've got a big wait list, thousands of people on our wait list. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is we're rolling this because of the way Swell is designed, we're rolling it out invitation only. So 
we we will next month we'll be launching the app will be in the app store but you, you if you download it if you don't have an invitation code you won't be able to get in unfortunately mm-hmm. the best thing to do if if any listeners want to mm-hmm. be part of the journey is yep. to sign up at our website swellmoney.com um join our community uh you'll get a founding member number anyone with a founding member number will get priority access to swell uh and there's nice. a ton of benefits that come with it you can't but after we launch publicly next month there will be no more founding member numbers so mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to go sign up today. Awesome. I did that yesterday. So I guess I oh, got sweet. in close to the last minute. Yeah, um, so on Swell, why why hasn't anybody done this before? Well, look, the banking's a very good business. I mean, if you look yeah. at the, the top four banks alone, this is blow your mind. The top four banks alone. Let me, let me try to, so is that Chase, Bank of America? Who are the other? Wells well, Fargo, okay. JP Morgan. Yeah. Got it. JP Morgan Chase is one, Bank of America, yeah, yeah. Wells Fargo. It's fine. <laughs> and I can't remember the fourth. It's but fine. The fourth, yeah. the four, just those four last year in profit, not revenue, $120 billion in profit. That's insane. And, and they represent <laughs> roughly half of the consumer banking market. Yet if you do the re, if you do consumer surveys, nobody loves their bank. They hate their banks. Everybody hates right. their bank. And right. so um, it's a, it's, it's, you wonder like, why haven't these guys innovated more? The reality is they haven't had to, their, their technology is horrible. Money. They, right. they provide terrible service. They've got a great business and they've been the only game in town. What's happening right. with this FinTech revolution is, and we're in the earliest stages. Like we're in, we're in like the first minute of the first inning, um, companies like swell are, are going to start focusing on very specific customer segments. So we're not trying to build swell for everybody. Our customer is what we call a striver. It's a very specific psychographic of a type of person. You see a lot of them on Twitter who aren't wealthy. They're probably not accredited, but they have mm-hmm. good jobs and they really mm-hmm. want to get ahead. They actually right. are willing to do work to get ahead. And uh, it's a very specific type of person that we've, we've really kind of wrapped our arms around. And But that's tens of millions of people in the US. Interesting. Yeah, that's... I work with... Uh, you know we. Do mortgage notes and, and dealing with different borrowers, and um, I, I don't deal with them directly usually. But that's one of the hardest things in my industry is figuring out who you know who because I can't. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, right? And it's like it, you, there has to be that on that other on that borrower side or that individual side something um, yeah. that's trust that's me. It. I come from lending. I'm huge on personal <laughs> responsibility. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's why I love our customers so much. I love these strivers. Because mm-hmm. they 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 always do the right thing. Right. They're, they're smart enough to know how to do the right thing, but they're not finance geeks like me. And so they, right. they just need a yeah. little bit of help. Sure. Absolutely. No, that's that's fantastic. I love it. Um as we start to move toward wrapping up here, what's what is a book or two that you'd recommend for my audience? Yeah, I um I'll tell you the one I'm reading right now and 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 why. So I'm reading a book called Anna, which is the biography of uh, Anna Wintour, the longtime editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine. Okay. And you might say, well, what the heck does huh. that have to do with anything in your life, Kevin? <laughs> but but uh, what I would tell your, your listeners is I, um, I love reading biographies of anyone on the extreme. So, you know, extreme athletes like uh, Lance Armstrong, extreme mm-hmm. business people like Steve Jobs or Anna Wintour. Because I think you learn from people on the extremes. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, I'm not trying to plug my podcast, but my podcast, yeah, that's the entire um, 
uh, thesis of my podcast is I'm using my network to meet with people who are literally the best in their fields. Right. Um, not because we want to emulate everything they do, but we right. want to learn some of the secrets that we can apply in our life. Sure. And so no, we learn from people who are out on the extremes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the podcast is a great way to go. What, what, uh, was there a moment that you, why you decided to, when you decided to, to start a podcast? Cause you just launched it, right? I was just, I was joking to my, so I got this, well, you know, my producer, Johnny. Yeah. Johnny. And I was joking to yep. him that honestly, it's like, it's an excuse to fly around the country and meet with <laughs> rad people. Uh, that's awesome. Cause, because one thing we're doing that's kind of interesting is I'm not doing any through zoom. So I'm, gotcha. uh, I'm going like, that's why I'm going to LA on Sundays because mm-hmm. I I'm going to do every single podcast in person in person, um, okay. because I think there's a certain magic that happens. In sure. fact, most of them I'm doing them in the person's home. And there's, there's a certain, uh, it's a different vibe when you're sitting in someone's home with them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you, if you want to have me out to Boulder, I'll, I'll happily, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, that that's no, I couldn't agree more. Um, that's, that's really good. But I, in general, the podcast is, is fantastic. I've learned so much by doing a podcast and absolutely. you know just directly from the guest. Uh, but then you know, there are many ways it benefits me and and many other people, and that's the it's whole a selfish that's the whole endeavor. Intent. And that's what people it is. Don't it is. Like, I mean, but you know, I, it's both. I mean, I do want to add value to the listeners, but it's sure. it absolutely adds value to me personally. Um, and hopefully, you get something out of it as well. <laughs> well, you know, they um, always say that the best way to learn something is to teach it. So, what I sure. get out of doing podcasts like this is yeah. it it makes me get my stuff together, like. When you ask yeah. a question, yeah. I, I get, you know, you get better over time at articulating things more clearly. So it's like sharpening the knife a little bit, you know? Absolutely. So on your show, are you going to have, I know you said experts and extreme, you know, producers, or, uh, but, but is there a specific niche uh, industry or? or no, that's the map? beauty of it. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. the, um, so uh, I met my first episode, which uh, dropped today is with a guy who's a serial entrepreneur and high stakes poker player. My second episode is is with the most famous person in the advertising industry, an icon. My third episode is with a um, guy that runs a multi-billion dollar real estate fund. The next one is with professional athletes. Uh, So it runs the gamut because what we're looking for is like, what are the, what are the secrets you've learned about life? And what's funny though, Jamie is honestly, the industry doesn't matter. Like the lessons people learn, I've already seen this. Right. Lessons people have learned are all the same. Yeah, and and, and just if, if, with regard to my podcast, I was co-hosting the Good Deeds Note Investing podcast. It was great. I loved it, um, and it's very a very niche space. And at the end of the day, there's only so many people that really want to get into the weeds on you know mortgage note invest, investing. Who like if you really want to go down the path of uh, a specific foreclosure law in this county in North Carolina, they're only you're immediately narrowing your your listener right, base. Right. Um, and those were great, but the the episodes that I really liked were where we had guests on who were slightly outside of that that niche space. And it, but like what you're saying applies. The principles still apply across all yeah. industries. We're all. I'll we're tell all you people. a funny story. <laughs> um, so, and I can geek out on this stuff. But so the guest <laughs> I had yesterday um, is you know the the most celebrated, decorated, accomplished person in the advertising industry that that's, that's a living human, right? And and but but what he loved about the conversation yesterday was after I introduced him, the last line of my introduction was 
but we're not going to talk about any of that. We literally talked about <laughs> none of his accomplishments. Yeah. What we talked about was his life. Like, sure. what have you learned? You've done all this cool stuff. Right. What have you learned through all of that? And I will tell you, um, this when this podcast, I think this podcast is going to open a lot of eyes when it comes out, the second one, yeah. because it went off the deep end in a huge way. Really? Oh yeah. So can you say who it was? It's going to come out soon. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that a secret for now. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, no, I, I couldn't agree more that, I mean, you know, with, with my show, I'm trying to make sure I highlight enough of the successes and adversity, frankly, to, to kind of lure people in, because if you're just an average guy, nobody, nobody cares. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's those other things that are so, so valuable, the lessons. And, you know, absolutely. Well, and I think you're, 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 um, you know, the basis for your show is a good one because ultimately that is where all the learnings happen is, is yeah. through the struggles. Right. Uh, in fact, one of the questions I ask in all of my, my interviews yeah. is uh, I always ask about failure. The same question you asked about, right. and like, how did that shape who you are today? Sure. All right. What's one question you wish I'd asked, but I haven't asked. Man, you, you like to, you like <laughs> to give these like stumpers. Um, Don't worry. We're, we're almost wrapped up here. Well, you, you know, you didn't ask anything about rock climbing, probably because you don't yeah, know. Let's a lot talk about, about that. I, I don't know a lot about it. I, I've gone one time indoors. It was fun. You know, I, there were guys over there doing the boulder thing. Uh, I really know almost nothing. Yeah. Well, I'll do my quick plug for rock climbing and why I love it. And then we can wrap up, but yeah. Um, but you know, I, rock climbing is one of those things that, you know, for whatever reason, the first time I ever did it, it captured my imagination. I don't think I've gone more than two weeks in the past 25 years without climbing either in a gym or outside. Um, and I, and now that I'm in Boulder, I climb four to five days a week. What I love about it is it's, um, it's the one thing I've ever done that makes me completely forget about the rest of the world. But also I, 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 I'm, I am heavily biased toward it. In some ways it's the king of fitness modes because there's no other activity that combines power, strength, endurance, balance, um, coordination, uh, um, uh, mm -hmm. all the different elements, like, yeah, uh, I've listed them out before. There's like 10 different, right. literally there's no other sport that combines them that way. Yeah. And it also takes you to these amazing places. So there's like nothing not to like about it. Right. Obviously I'm, I'm heavily biased, but, uh, it's, it is, there's a reason it is the fastest growing youth sport by percentage, right? not by numbers, but percentage. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. When you were talking about yeah, gymnastics is obviously a good one is, you know, but that's almost cheating because it's like so many different events in one, yeah. um, as far as the elements of fitness, there, there are a lot there, I think. Um, but that's, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that. I, well, here's, I mean, here's, I don't... here's a, here's a, a head scratcher for your listeners to take away from this as we okay. wrap up is yep. what I always say is we can debate what mode of fitness or what sport is best, mm -hmm. but one litmus test for that is look at the best people in that sport or that fitness mode and ask yourself, is that who I want to be? Do I want to look like that? Right. Can I sustain it for the rest of my life? And so to be honest, I'm going to get, I'm going to probably offend some people here. That's, That's okay. my issue with CrossFit. You know, CrossFit yeah. was a big rage, but yeah. you look at the top CrossFit athletes. That's right. not what most people want to look like. And frankly, it's not sustainable for a lifetime. Right. On, the, on the flip side, yeah, you, no, look you're at, right. look at the top, um, you look at the top climbers. That's the type of body, body type most people want, you know, lean and strong and fit. Yeah. And you can climb for your life, for life. Yeah, that's really good. Now, I, a few episodes ago, I, uh, it's actually not out yet as of today, but I, uh, 
kind of lumped somehow I lumped Dave Ramsey and CrossFit together because I said, you know, <laughs> wow, I kind of I, I kind of blasted them both. And I used to do I used to be fans of both of them, to be honest, but I used to do CrossFit. And it's at the end of the day, it's they don't take into account your personal situation, right? They just here's the the wad, the workout of the day, yeah. go do it. You know, and I felt like feel like Dave Ramsey does the same thing where, you know, he doesn't actually listen. He's just applying blanket <laughs> advice. And, right. and he not that he cares what I have to say. Well, but, and in both cases, a lot of the <laughs> advice is just plain bad. It's like, just, just bad. Yeah. To be powerlifting, you know, yeah. for most people is not the for best reps. way to, to for reps. Fit under time. Yeah. Uh, that's not a good idea, but awesome. Kevin, I know we, you, we have a hard stop. I know you're extremely yeah. busy. Um, <laughs> I really do appreciate you taking the time and, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can bring you back on at a later date to see, yeah. you know, the, get an update on swell. Um, I definitely, like I said, I signed up already, so I'm excited to be a part of the, the movement. I think it's cool. fantastic what you're doing. So, um, where can our listeners find you online if they, if they'd like to reach out? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, thank you. This has actually been a really enjoyable discussion. Um, nice. I do a lot of these. And as I was saying, before we got on the, on the yeah. uh, started recording, th mm -hmm. there's a spectrum. Uh, <laughs> you did a really good job. Um, yeah. I'm easy to find online. I mean, you know, my, yeah. my company's at swellmoney.com, but most people uh, have gotten to know me through my Twitter account, which is at camp four. So it's at C-A-M-P and the number four on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, DM me. I answer all DMs. So yeah, you answered answer mine. And I do. I, I do recommend people follow you on Twitter. You do put out some very valuable information and threads, and uh, it's a one of one of my favorite follows on Twitter for sure. So oh, thank you um, very much. Absolutely. That means a lot so, to me. and to our listeners out there, we really thank you as well for uh, spending your most valuable resource with us, which is your time, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Take care, everyone. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.